Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and our word on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Uh, they still haven't yanked us off. Um, and we have the guests that we were talking about before that uh, I'm surprised you're even coming back, but here we are with. Uh, the show won't go on. It's the most shocking, bizarre, and historic deaths performers on stage. And uh, joining us, we've got Jeff Abraham. How are you? Wonderful. And then we have Bert Kearns. Well, now I already know how you are, so hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't ask. And, and uh, so, uh, men... Um, how did you come to write this book? Like, what was it about this subject? And how did you know there would be so many? I was surprised listening to the book. Um, how many different deaths on stage there have been? The first part of the question, um, how did we come up with this idea? We, we all owe it to Donald Trump. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a little more than 15 years ago that I went to see an Elvis impersonator perform, and part of the show was a man named Al DeVoren, who made famous the phrase, Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has left the building. Thank you and good night. And he was milling about in the lobby afterwards, and uh, someone asked him, When are you going to write a book? And he said, Yeah, yeah, I know, I got time. And I said good night to him at 10.30, Saturday night. Monday morning, I went to turn on the local morning news, and he was killed in a car accident. Sunday morning at 9.30, so less than 12, 12 hours after seeing him, he had died. And I was intrigued by the idea of, you know, final performances. Everyone always said, oh, I wish I had saw that concert, you know, that was his last performance, or I missed his show and he died. And I came up with this title, which I think was pretty good, The Show Won't Go On, and then I didn't do anything with it for 12 years. Huh. And then the wonderful <laughs> Bert Kern says, shut up or put up, let's write a book, and that's how became the book we now have in our hand today. Bert, take it from here. 
Well, yeah, we had we had a little time time on our hands and began to do the research. And originally, we were going to do a book about people who died on the way to a show. Hank Williams was on the way to a show, on the way home from a show, like Leonard Skinner, or perhaps even if we could find enough, some people who died on stage, like Tommy Cooper or Dick Sean. When we got above a, a thousand people, we said, I think we should narrow this down. It looks <laughs> like we have enough people who just died on stage. That got us down to about 500. Um, and then we worked from there. We, 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 we did the research. We divided everything up into categories. We realized, again, there were, there, there were too many. So we, we got rid of people who died on camera, movie stars who died on camera, stuntmen. Uh, we already had decided we're not going to do athletes because if an athlete walks in, onto a field or an arena just because of the physical exertion, death is always in the cards. Uh, so we, we narrowed it down to people who died in front of an audience, whether it's in, in, in a, um, uh, a theater, a nightclub, uh, a circus, because circus people consider themselves to be uh, performers and not athletes. And again, we had we got it down to about 500. And in the book now, we tell the stories of about 200 in the end. Wow! And they keep dying. <laughs> that was the other issue that we had. We'd finish the book, and then you know four more people would would die on stage. We've had we've had five performers die on stage in the past three weeks. Uh, and they all made international news. There was a there was a, a bass player in a Chicago tribute band, a drummer in a Motown tribute band, a Spanish pop star p- performing before 5,000 people who was killed when a pyrotechnic device went in the wrong direction and hit her in the stomach. There was a contestant from South African Idol who collapsed on stage, and it would have been six, but there was a, a multi-Grammy winning guitarist by the name of Dan Warner. Uh, Dan uh, was performing down in Hollywood, Florida walked off the stage, uh, put, put down his guitar, walked to the bar, and had a heart attack at the bar. So Jeez. he didn't make the, he wouldn't make the book if no. he didn't die on stage. <laughs> well, I had no idea there were so many people who died on stage. I mean, when you said you started to narrow it down, you 500. I mean, I had no idea. that it happens fairly regularly, obviously. Yeah. I mean, we were able to go back, you know, to you know the early days of Boardville, and prior to that, we, I mean, we have magicians doing the bullet catch, you know, going back hundreds of years. So, so we try to give a nice cross section of history. An issue I think that we should bring up is the bullet catch. Yeah. That that is the, 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 the earliest death that we recorded is 1597. It was a magician by the name of Coulien, and he was performing the bullet catch when the person who was firing the bullet got angry with him and bashed him over the head with the pistol and killed him. And since then, we, we've had dozens of performers who died attempting to catch bullets. Now, uh, we interviewed Penn Gillette. He and Penn and Teller are now probably the, the foremost practitioners of that. And he gave us a, a real you know, secret. that I, we, Although it's a, it's a magician's secret, I think we should share it to any other potential bullet catchers, and that is it's a trick. <laughs> they're not really catching speeding bullets and the most recent we had was, was at least 10 years ago but Superman you would, think, you would think at some point somebody would have learned or realized you know maybe this trick might be a little dangerous and, but it still has not deterred people I, I really like the uh, what was the, the Chung Ling Su story Probably the Jeff. most famous on-stage death of, uh, of a magician doing a bullet catch, and he was one of the biggest performers in vaudeville, and he was this, this oriental magician, 
It was just a part of his act for for more than a decade. And one night, a firing squad shot him, and the bullets went into his chest, and he collapsed. And when he hit the floor for the first time, he said, in English, I think I've been shot. And the entire audience was in shock, not so much as, as the man being killed by a bullet, that he spoke English because Chung Ling Su was really an American named William Robinson and had been living a lie for decades. Oh, wow. Also, they, they originally thought that it was murder because it turned out that Chung Ling Su had ripped off his act and persona by an actual uh, magician from Peking named Ching Ling Fu. <laughs> and, they, and Ching Ling Fu... Ching Ling Fu was a suspect until, until um, Chung Ling Su's uh, wife, who was a, an Asian woman named Su Sin, uh, told what really happened. Then it turned out that Su Sin's real name was Olive Path. I think she was from Westchester. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. This is crazy. Fake news. <laughs> I just love it. I just love it. Um, what was what was your most surprising? Did you have a uh, one that just totally shocked you? I'll start. I think we were surprised when we found out the most dangerous profession, the most dangerous occupation in show business. Uh, we figured it would be something along the lines of bullet catchers or perhaps uh, acrobats. But Jeff, uh, what what was the most dangerous occupation in show business? I was going to say uh, circus performance was my first guess when. Uh in the early draft of the book, but uh, during our course of our research, Bert kept on handing me uh, entry o- an entry over entry of orchestra conductors, which turned out to be the most fatal occupation you will find in our book. How does that work? <laughs> how, how do they die? I, I, well, they, they they die in the podium on the podium, you know, in front of in front of the orchestra and 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 the crowd in the middle of a piece. It's so like a heart attack. Into it, a lot, a lot, yeah, a lot of them are heart attacks. There was one suicide, but that's, uh, that's a whole other story. But I think, I think the real reason is that they're all between like the ages of 50 and you know 75. Uh, orchestra conductors, you know, travel around the world. They eat airplane food. They, they they stay up late. They have to deal with orchestras in different parts of, of, of the world, and they don't watch their cholesterol. I think it's a matter it's a, it's a matter of that. They're just not healthy. They don't li- li- live healthy lifestyles. Most of the performers that we deal with here. I mean, we have suicides, we have accidents, we have murders on stage, but for the most part, people are just, you know, falling from heart attacks and, you know, aneurysms, whatever, because they don't, they're not watching their diets and they're not staying healthy. So it's these old dudes flailing around with their stick and then just keel over <laughs> yeah. in front of everybody. A lot of physical exertion, I guess. They're talking about me again. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I have to ask you, you mentioned there were some murders on stage. I read one about a uh, guy who went and shot a, was he the former leader of uh, Pantera or something? He shot a guy on stage. How often does that happen? Um, it, uh, more often than you would think. Um, you know, we, we've had uh, performers who've been shot by fans. Um, there was one incident going back to the bullet catch where someone said, I will now attempt to catch a bullet, and a member from the audience said, well, try to catch this bullet, and he shot him. Oh, so, um, uh, a straight yeah, bullet they... is um, a very is not not like uh, I should say. A straight bullet is something that you will find um, throughout our book in, in, in several occurrences. Wow! Yeah, and, and, and the case of Dimebag Daryl Abbott Dime from Bag, Pantera. Yeah, that's, yeah. back in, in two thousand four, he, he and his his brother Vinny had a, had a new band called Damage Plan. 
and they were playing a club in Ohio, and a, an, a, a crazed ex-Marine just ran up onto the stage and, and shot him point blank in the head. I believe he killed two or three other people before he was killed. Yeah. We've had cases like that. There was a, a young girl named Christina Grimmy who was a, a YouTube sensation. We covered social media performers. Uh, she went on and became famous as a contestant on The Voice. Uh, she was in uh, Orlando, Florida performing and doing a meet and greet after the show when a stranger who was supposedly obsessed walked up and shot her and killed her. Uh, her, her death was overshadowed because less than 48 hours later you had that Pulse uh, nightclub massacre by the terrorists in the same city. So, wow. yes, it, it keeps happening in, in all forms, yeah. I, I found that um, there was also the Dick Cavett show, and uh, you talked about one that, uh, that health nut that uh, died on stage when he said he was going to live forever. Um, now, that one never did air, did it? No, it did not. And um, it's funny, during the course of our interviews, several people have said, oh, I saw this on YouTube. And even Dick Cavett says to this day, 20, 30 people a year come up to him and said, the look on your face, and he always has to say, were you in the audience that night? If not, you did not see the show. That's right. It did not air. Um, we were very fortunate, um, and a very dear friend of ours worked for Dick Cavett Productions and said, if you sell this book, we will allow you to watch this episode. And we are the first civilians slash journalists who've ever watched this episode. You can really count the number of people on one hand who've actually uh, seen this episode. Wow. Uh, how was it? <laughs> the well, description you guys gave is pretty haunting, so I'd love to hear you talk yes, about that. We, we were allowed to, we were allowed to, um, audio to uh, tape the audio, so we were able to get an accurate transcription of it. And o over the past, you know, close to 50 years, uh, there have been a lot of misconceptions, because even when Dick Cavett talks about it, he doesn't watch it that often, and he has a few things that are wrong here and there. Um, the, 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 the first most striking bit about it is, you talk about a, a late-night talk show. Well, most, you know, they, they have big sets, and they have a desk, and they have, they have a couch. Uh, he did his show from, from the set of Wide World of Sports, where they used to report the weekend edition, so they were on three swivel chairs on an on a orange shag carpet. And... Dick Cavett w was interviewing uh, the journalist Pete Hamill, and J.I. Rodale, the, the longevity expert, the health expert, was sitting to uh, Hamill's right. When In the middle of the interview, there was a snoring sound. And as, as the legend has it, Dick Cavett leaned over, because he's a very witty person, and he said, excuse me, are we, are we boring you, Mr. Rodale? But in actuality, although there were some giggles from the audience, Cavett knew right away that something was wrong, and there was immediate alarm on his face. And he looked at the audience, and he said, is, and he, was, and he told us this, he said he was about to say, is there a doctor in the house? But he mm -hmm. realized if he said that, he'd get a laugh. And yeah. we've had instances where that happens. So he caught himself and said something else. He said, is, um, can we find out if he needs some help here? Uh, and, and within a couple of moments, you know, the audience was dead silent. They all realized that something was wrong. And the man died on stage there. He, he died right in the studio. Well, I, I want to go on his diet. <laughs> now, is it true well, yeah, that he said something shortly before that about living for a long time or, or living forever? He was, uh, he was quoted in the uh, New York Times the Sunday before his Tuesday appearance about living to 100, but he did not utter such a phrase. But the one phrase he was talking, is very, he was a very uh, funny gentleman. He had written plays and humor books, and he said, oh, I want to save this material. I want to be back. And Dick Havitt says, oh, don't worry, we will have you back. Mm. 
I thought that was such a, a striking remark, which had never did been heard uh, before. Did they have him back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> too, too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still feel the pain. Can you guys uh, tell us a little bit about what happened with Dick Sean? Because I found that uh, story pretty fascinating. Dick Sean was an amazing performer, larger than life, full of energy. You never knew what was going to happen in his show. And, you know, the show would open with him lying under a pile of newspaper and just popping up from the audience. So for him to fall or do any type of sudden things on stage was not take should not be surprised to the audience. You never knew what was going to happen in the show. He was not a traditional stand up who stood in one. He moved, he sang, he danced. So at one point in the show he started to make a very sudden uh speech. Bert? Well in the in the middle of the show, which is very avant garde, he stood on the stage and he said to the audience, Let's pretend that there is there's been a nuclear disaster. And everyone in the world, no one else has survived except the people in this theater. And I will be your leader. And at that point, he fell face down onto the stage. Oh my he God. laid there. Now, it turned out that his son was a stage director, and his son was at the back of the auditorium. And he said, well, you know, Dad doesn't usually fall that way, and not at this point in the show. So uh, over the headset, he talked to the stage, uh, stage hand. He said, go out and check and see if he's all right. So the stage hand went out, checked, and then walked off the stage. And he said, well, what, what happened? Is he breathing? And the guy said, I, I'm not really sure. And at that point, all, all hell broke loose. Um, they, they called for a doctor in the house, and uh, luckily, well, it didn't turn out to be lucky, but there were four doctors in the second row because the, um, the, th the theater, which was at the University of California, San Diego, was right next to the hospital there. And they worked on, on uh, Dick Sean, couldn't bring him back, couldn't, couldn't save him. But while they were doing it, while the, the rescue efforts were underway, people were walking up to the stage and asking for their money back. Oh, jeez. Oh, and, that, and that's not unusual either. Oh. <laughs> really? Really? That, that happens a that, lot? That's happened quite often. There's a wonderful story about a uh, TV comic uh, character actor named Joey Ross, who you will know from Car 54 and uh, Sergeant Bilko. He, he was in the latter part of his career performing at a retirement community in the rec room, and he collapsed in mid-performance, and his widow, his uh, soon-to-be uh, widow walked up to the stage to collect his money, and they said, well, here's $50, here's half the money. He did not complete his performance. Oh. <laughs> you gave him half a show. Jeez. <laughs> also, to answer your question about Canadian performers. Uh -oh. Uh, oh, here we go. Do, here we go. Do you, uh, do you guys remember Marge Osborne? The girl from the Singing Hills, from Don Messer's Jubilee. Don Messer's Jubilee. How about that? Yep. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. 1977, she was on stage and uh, had a heart attack. Died in concert in Rockland, Ontario. And her co-star, old step dancer Charlie Chamberlain, died of a heart attack exactly five years earlier after he collapsed during a TV rehearsal. And then the the the, the other uh, Canadian is Owen Hart, the WWF wrestler. That's right. Um, yeah. We, we, yeah. We we didn't include you know again we didn't include athletes or wrestlers in in the book, but his was different because he didn't die. Uh, well, he died in the ring because he fell from the rafters and trying to make a, a, spe a spectacular entrance from the rafters. Uh, the clip snapped too early, and he he fell 80 feet to his death 
uh, in front of the cameras and in front of the crowd there. Yeah. And, and then one of the early incarnations of the book, we obviously included people like John Candy, one of the great Canadians who died during the filming mm-hmm. of the uh, movie, I believe it was Canadian Bacon. He yeah. uh, you know, shot his scenes, went back to his hotel room and never woke up. Yeah. Tragic. Pretty amazing. Sorry to bring the bring the room down. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Uncle Buck so much. <laughs> this should be the right time to announce we're coming out with a, a children's coloring book and a comic book for perfect for kids. <laughs> I look forward to that. We need red crayons for that one. I sure. Um, you know, we should. I should. We should. I should note though that. Again, we're, we're giving you the cavalcade of, of, of face plants and deaths here. The book really, and we went out of our way um, to do this, the book really is, is a celebration of, of these performers' careers. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't just focus on the way they went out. You know, we've spoken to a lot of survivors and friends of people who died on... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And they're anxious to talk to us because they want people to know about you know, the, the, the performers' lives and careers to know that, you know that their careers were so much you know, greater than the way that they, the way yeah. that they died. Yeah. yeah. A lot of these guys spend so much time on stage. No wonder they die there. It's just you know, uh, yeah, it's a numbers, yeah. it's a numbers game. Yeah, and when you get people that are, that are older, you know, the the people that are in their eighties, and they they say there's there's no way I'd want to go have to go on stage. We've had had a lot of a, a lot of that happening, and people say, oh, it's so great that you know, Lil Hardin, the widow of, of Louis Armstrong, you know, dropped dead at the piano while, d- during a tribute show. Or uh, Jane Little, you know, 87 years old, the holder of the Guinness, Guinness Book of uh, World Records for the longest tenure with an orchestra, you know, d- dropping dead during there's no business like show business. You know, what a way to go! <laughs> but when you get someone like like Dick, like Dick Sean, who was 63, and you know he died in 1987, and I speak to his his son, you know, all these years later, and his son weeps, and you know he lost his best friend, and that's. Yeah. We had to remember when we were writing this book as well that although a lot of it is is humorous and ironic, uh, it's it's not a, a, a snarky book and it's not anything that we're making fun of anybody. Yeah. But you know, a lot of performers do have that bravado. You know, I I want to go out like so and so. You know, I want to die with my you know with my boots on. You know, the amazing Jonathan, who's a was a former client of mine and still a dear friend. Um, you know, he's been dealing with a terrible heart ailments and. He, they gave him a year to live, and he surprised his doctors, and after three years went back on stage. And he says in the documentary, you know, I hope I go out like Tommy Cooper rather than dying in bed, you know. Mm-hmm. And when we gave him the book, he uh, he thanked me for the book and then said, you could you could have waited a, long, a little longer. I, I would have made the, the ch- one of the chapters. <laughs> so some performers do have this bravado. They all say, oh, I hope I go out like so-and-so. And then you have others who said, um... Well, that was nice, but we'd rather have him around for another 20 years. Well, when I was reading the article about your book, I was uh, fascinated by the story about Albert Brooks' father, um, where he died in Milton Berle's lap. I think that would be a good way to go. <laughs> well, I, mean, yeah, I heard I heard Milton Berle was packing, so I don't know if that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, that's the whole that's a whole other book. There you go. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. now you say that's a wonderful way to go. It depends on who you ask. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. I'm sure Milton you know, Berle wasn't thrilled about it either. So. You know, Albert says, what a wonderful way for my father to go. He didn't die on the way to the, the, the show that night. He didn't die in mid-performance. He waited until he got his last laugh, took a bow, and died, with applause still ringing in his ear. If you ask the late... Um, Super Dave, Bob Einstein, he will say he will say to you, "What did your mother do for a living?" Oh, she was a housewife. Well, what if I went into the kitchen and hit her over the head with a frying pan and killed her? Would you say she died doing what she loved? So talk about the yin and yang. Of, uh... <laughs> yeah, and I don't think most people know that Albert Brooks and Super Dave were related. So that's uh, also they were brothers. Story. Yeah. Also, Albert's that Albert real name was real Einstein. Was... Albert Einstein. Do you know that his father was a comedian? <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Um, and now, with you, when you have so many of these stories, um, you're going to do a second book, aren't you? 
oh, we yeah. hope if the public demands yes <laughs> we do we, we definitely have have room for several sequels as a matter of fact on our website the show com, we've been keeping track of people who died on stage in 2019 and we're already up to about 20 people they they keep dying on stage and as we mentioned that i mean there were so many tv people and like um we were not included just because of the we wanted to have the audience aspect of it. So yes, there's a, enough to do a sequel if we uh, play with the parameters. Um, Bert, tell about the wonderful Lee Morgan who we wanted to include the book, but our, our criteria was too strict. Well, that, that, see that that was an issue of how, who do we include in the book? You know, Sergeant Carter, Frank Sutton from the Gomer Pyle Show. Well, Sergeant oh, wow. Carter, he was ready to walk on the stage at a dinner theater in Shreveport, Louisiana but had a heart attack in his dressing room, didn't make it. Uh, the great uh, jazz trumpeter Lee Morgan was performing in, uh, in a club in the East Village of New York City when he was shot through the heart by his common-law wife because he had been there with another woman. She was angry and, and killed him. Now, he didn't make the book. We wrote his story originally, but he didn't make the book because although his band was on stage waiting for him, he was walking toward the stage when he was shot and didn't quite make it onto the stage. Mm-hmm. They didn't make the book. Oh. How did you narrow down the 500, the 800, and all that? Like, which was there something else that um, would make you include someone? Like, what? what? Well, we, we, we did go for the most shocking, bizarre, and historic. Really, that's what we did. You know, and we we said let's take let's take you know a few from theater. Then we've got to take a few from opera. Then we've got to take a few from the world of dance, magic, circus, rock and roll, jazz. And so, yes, that's how we had to do it. We kind of took the, the best, the, the ones that had the most interesting stories, as well as some of the most, you know, ironic, you know, shocking endings as well. You know, one of, we found a, several rock musicians were killed by electrocution on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, it's sort of common wisdom that the, the first rock and roller to be a rock and roll guitarist to be electrocuted on, to death on stage is a guy named um, Les Harvey from a band called Stone the Crows. And that was in 1972. And he was 27, so he's probably the least known member of that 27 club of, of for rock stars like um, Amy Winehouse and Jim Morrison who died at the age of 27. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we did some more research, and we found out that there was another rock star who was electrocuted to death on stage three years before Les Harvey. And that was Nick Lowe. You know Nick Lowe? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Nick's Nick's alive and well. But Nick was electrocuted to death on stage. And he tells the story that he he was on stage with this group, and he he touched a microphone that wasn't grounded, and he began, and he was thrown across the stage and flopping like a fish, and he couldn't let go of the microphone. And the current, and they couldn't turn off the current. And he, he says that people were running around in circles around him, and in his mind, everything went into slow motion, and he heard a voice say, Well, Nick, I guess this is the way you're going to go. Say goodbye now. This is the end. And at that point, his keyboard player tried to kick the microphone out of his hands, but instead missed and kicked him in the chest. And doctors told Nick Lowe that that restarted his heart and brought him back to life. Oh, my God. Uh, they, oh, wow. They, 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 they brought Nick to the hospital. The band uh, went across the street to the pub to drown their sorrows. They thought he was dead. Uh, Nick Lowe told us that he, he woke up in the hospital. Uh, his hands were all burned, but he realized he was alive. He tore out all the 
uh, all the wires that they had attached to them and walked back to the pub and walked into the pub and they all, they all thought they saw a ghost. They all screamed and uh, they went and played the second set. <laughs> <laughs> so so who, who, whose voice did he hear or was it just in his mind? I think he heard, the, uh, depending on what you believe, I think he believed he, he heard his maker saying, come on, Nick, come to the other side. It's time to go. <laughs> it was Satan. But, but, to continue, <laughs> but to continue on your question about narrowing it down, we wanted the stories to be engaging. Did did not always have to be a household name, and that that was one of the most important things. You know, besides the bizarre and the outrageous, is we wanted you know when we're, you're writing a chapter, we wanted you to follow that person's journey and care about that person and being so enthralled about their lives and that you'd be. So taken aback when that when that final when their final demise happens, you know, because you know when we were pitching this book, one literary agent said, you know, this is the worst mystery novel I've ever read. Every everybody <laughs> dies on the first page of every chapter. <laughs> so you really wanted these stories to be engaging enough to want to continue to reading, because it rather because we could have done a book of lists, you know, and yeah. just say yeah. he died and and he died and he died, but it was we wanted to do so much more than that. Yeah, and in this case, we do have, you know, we have the famous kind of lined up shoulder to shoulder or, or laid out shoulder to shoulder with the obscure, and they're they're all joined by this by this glorious climax to their to their lives and careers. You know, dying on stage, surrounded by friends, colleagues, and and, and fans, and doing what they loved. What can you tell us about a, a theater death? Well, one of the ones that became one of our favorites happened only two years ago, and again, this is a person who was a bit obscure, but he was very world famous in an entirely different field. His name was Kent Stork, and he was from uh, Omaha, Nebraska. And Kent owned a flower shop, and he was the world's leading authority on the African violet. And he traveled the world from, from China to Russia, lecturing on the African violet, wrote a best-selling guide to growing African violets, but really wanted to be an actor. He really wanted, that, that was his thing. He wanted to to uh, be on the stage, he, he got the acting bug. So um, two years ago, he, he turned 65. He and his wife decided to retire. They closed. They closed the place. They closed their, their flower shop and moved to a suburb of Las Vegas so they could be close to uh, their son and his family. Immediately, Kent got himself a gig with the local theater company, and he got the lead. He got the lead role in, in a community theater production. When he went on stage with it, had a heart attack on stage, and died. And the name of the, the production, the name of the show that he was performing was The Art of Murder. And so that got, you know, that, that, that right away got, um, got headlines, got, got a few laughs. We actually talked to his son about it. And his son said, you know, he got a kick out of the fact that, you know, he went on Facebook and people were, were, were responding to it saying it sounds like a bad episode of Murder, she wrote. But uh, in, rea in, in reality, because it was called The Art of Murder, uh, uh, Mr. Stork had a fake pistol in his pocket when he died. So when they brought him to the hospital, uh, in the emergency room, they said he had a gun on him. And that night, the, the, the police called his wife and asked if they wanted to do a murder investigation into his death. And she said, no, no, it was just a, it was just a heart attack. Hmm. Well, that's because she killed him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course she doesn't want an investigation. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just took a while. 
So, so why don't we hear about all these? I think that's one of the biggest things, because when I listened through the book, I was surprised about how many there are, and you tell us how many hundreds there are. It's just something that never seems to be covered. Uh, a lot of this really surprised me, and some of them were people I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, we, 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 we looked, we found you know, small newspaper articles, articles in trade, trade magazines, trade journals, um, a lot of them, you know, don't get a, a second day on the story. They might just get a, a small, a, you know, small item. Especially when you're looking in, in the worlds of classical music and, and opera and deaths that occur, you know, out of the country. You know, world, a world famous musician named Papa Wemba uh, from uh, from the from the People's Republic of, of the Congo. Uh, he was well known because uh, Peter Gabriel had him on a couple of albums, and Peter Gabriel brought him on tour, and he, he became famous. Uh, in the, in the West for, for the way he sang. He's a giant star in Africa, and he, he died on stage, on video. The, mm-hmm. the most interesting thing about that was um, Peter Gabriel wrote um, a tribute to him online when Papa Wemba died, and he said, um, he said you know, uh, he, he, was, he, was a great, he was a great artist, we really miss him, and that arrest that he had for human trafficking, well, we'll just put that aside. We were like, what? <laughs> human trafficking? What? And... And so we do the research, and it turns out that Papa Wemba had a had a, a good scam going. He would charge people, uh, I think, five thousand dollars to uh, if they wanted to get to Europe out of out of the Congo, they could go on his plane with his band and pretend they were members of his band. And at one point at, at Charles de Gaulle Airport, there were twenty one people showed up. None of them had any instruments. They all said they were part of his band. They were playing that night, and they all disappeared. So he was arrested and he did some time in jail, but eventually he was uh, he was he was acquitted. Oh, he wasn't acquitted of the charge, but I think he was sentenced to time served and went back to Africa. So that's wow. a good little interesting sidebar that we found. Yeah, so you find, find out more. But at the same time, certain certain deaths have become uh, international news just because there is now recorded footage of them. You know, like some of these circus du Soleil. Um, performers who have died in mid-performance, people in the audience have cameras. So, mm-hmm. you know, that video then goes on the local news and then goes viral. So, in one way, a lot of more uh, of these deaths are now being captured because someone was there in the audience with a camera. Now, isn't that what that, happened that, when uh, Meatloaf collapsed on stage? There was videos all over YouTube and uh, Twitter, people, and he survived, but there were people instantly putting the video online. That's a change yes. in the way things work now. And the New, and the New York Post, and his most you know, he collapses every once in a while. Oh, me love. His most recent collapse, uh, we, we we saved the front page. The New York Post reported that he that he died, and they had to retract oh, wow. the story. Uh, and and that's again that's another thing that we we did in the book. We found that initial people always go from the initial newspaper account, and then when they do they do a follow up story, they 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 just repeat what had already been reported. And we as we know. Initial newspaper accounts are not always accurate. They're done on deadline, and inf- you know the, there's some misinformation that is usually corrected a few days later. So we were able to correct a lot of. Uh, we found a lot of discrepancies in those initial newspaper reports that you might find on Wikipedia now, and we kind of we tried to set the record straight. Now, Jeff, I have to ask you a question. I was reading an article about you guys, and it said that uh, I, I hope I got this right. It said that you had represented George Carlin. I was George Carlin's publicist um, for the last 11 years of his life. And um, it was, you know, we, we just did an event and when the MC reminded me. Um, he uh, did a Q&A with George in May, and six weeks later, 
he had been, was given the honor of uh, the Mark Twain Prize and then died four mm -hmm. days later. And never uh, was there to receive it. Yeah. Well, I had to ask you because I, I'm a huge fan of George Carlin, and when I read that, I hate to say the very first thing that popped into my brain was that bit that George used to do about claiming that there is no God and saying, if there is a God, may he strike this audience dead. And then he said, I'm going to up the stakes, and if there is a God, may he strike me dead. And so <laughs> obviously he didn't die on stage, but that was obviously made me think about the subject of your book and him. Um, no, he did not die on stage, <laughs> but um, he was very close to it. He was he was performing um, one of his live HBO specials and really had trouble breathing um, his second-to-last uh, special. Uh, he was not yeah. in great health. He was having heart problems and things of that nature over the last um, five or six years of his life. And um, I, we think, you know, the doctor probably, his father did not have good health, uh, heart problems, uh, heart, um, did not have a good heart, and I think it was hereditary. And we think the doctor said, you may have five months, five years, so that we don't know. So when George died, it wasn't 100% unexpected, but it was at the same time very surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty amazing. And who, ironically, was planning uh, an HBO special at one point. You'll love this. Um, <laughs> in November of 2001, he was planning a special with the title, I Kind of Like It When a Lot of People Die. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a little thing called 9-11. And then he realized maybe that may not be the best title for a special, and they had to rename it. But they did release that on audio. Yeah, um, about 15 years after the thing, they, they, there's yeah. a performance of George doing it um, from the uh, 9th and 10th of September in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember his show that he did, was it like three weeks after 9-11, uh, in the Beacon Theater in New York, where he came and he kind of said, you know, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, but that's not going to stop us from having a good time tonight. And I thought he handled it really well, because he did have to change a lot of his show. Yeah, that whole chunk uh, was taken out, moved into another special, and it, it kind of changed the focus of it. Um, but it was so it was great to now have it, that album um, with that as he had done it. Well, thank you for sharing that because I just had to ask. Of course, thank you. Well, guys, and now you have a website. What's it called? The the show will go on. dot com. Is that it? Won't go on. Uh, the show won't. The show won't go on. dot com. You can also get there by typing in diedonstage. dot com. Oh. You can get there a couple of different ways. But yes, and, and we we have we have videos. We have outtake stories. We have the story of of Lee Morgan and other outtakes from the book that stories that didn't make the book. Um, and we and we have videos. And again, we're we're keeping track of people as they continue to pass away while performing. And I know this show is heard in Southern California, and, and um, they can look at our website for um, uh, book signings that we'll be doing throughout Southern California. Fantastic. We'll have that and the book on our website as well, and people listening can just go one click and pick up the book. Um, hopefully you won't be uh, talking about any of us in the near future. <laughs> or no, no videos. No, definitely won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you never know. Um, wow, it's been a great show. Uh, you guys are... Uh, a lot of fun, and we appreciate you coming on. And the book is "The Show Won't Go On," and the authors are Jeff Abraham and Bert Kearns. Thank you for being here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Stay healthy. Thank you. <laughs> 
find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.